0: Hello, my Lonely Hour listeners, this is your host, Julia, and I'm here to tell you that we have a brand new season that you can find on Stitcher Premium. Just go to stitcher.com slash to sign up now. You'll get access to ad-free episodes and archives of some of your other favorite shows, as well as exclusive bonus episodes of hit podcasts, early access to new releases, and over 300 stand-up comedy albums. You'll also have the option to donate to the Lonely Hour, which is the best way to support it. Thank you for helping us keep this show going. Hey guys, it's Julia here. I just moved to a new city. That is what you hear in the background. It's been such a wild transition that I haven't set up my new recording situation. So what you're about to hear is me in an empty bathtub in my new apartment. (laughs) It sounds kind of wonky, but I guess it matches how I'm feeling which is totally lost. <laughs> At least I enjoyed making this episode. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Oh, you guys, what have I done? <laughs> it's Julia, and I'm coming to you with this fourth episode of the Lonely Hour's second season from Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta, <laughs> as in Georgia. I moved here last month for a job, and in a case of life mimicking life, I am facing the very same issues as the subject of this episode. I did the interviews before I left New York. Um, I didn't take the time to think about what a big change I was making, though. The night before my movers came, I had a meeting with my agent. I went to a dinner party. I didn't really... I didn't take a moment to anticipate that things might get bumpy and things have been bumpy as fuck. (laughs) I'm still, I'm still in shock actually. And I'm slowly coming out of it enough to move on to the phase where I'm kind of mad at myself. I think maybe I took my friends for granted because it wasn't until I looked at the Google document that my producers and I shared to build each episode of *The Lonely Hour*, and I saw their notes about my choosing work over community, that I realized that's what I did. I thought about this move as an adventure, just like Reed.
1: My name is Reed Whitten, and uh, I'm a. I'm an international trade lawyer who uh, lives here in Brussels. Uh, and I am currently in Brussels, walking through a uh, cobblestone square. It is a beautiful night in August. Uh, we are uh, well up north here in Brussels.
0: Reed grew up in Goochland County, Virginia, in a house built by his parents and their hippie friends. Those are Reed's words, not mine. He then stayed in Virginia for college.
1: So I went to high school in Richmond, Virginia, then went to college in in Virginia as well. And so I kind of revolved around a very small universe. When you get all these ideas about going out and seeing the world, it can feel a little small and uh, had this idea that I wanted to go everywhere and do all these things. And when I did, um, it was fantastic. You know, in your your 20s, it's very easy. I went and uh, just (laughs) goofed around as a bartender in the south of France, which... As far as experiences abroad go, really does top the list.
0: So picture this: a 23-year-old American man is slinging drinks in beautiful Montpellier while learning to speak French fluently. And I know you can't picture Reed himself since this is a podcast, but trust me when I tell you that he is good-looking. So life was good for Reed Witten at this time. Of course, he wanted more of it.
1: I I, I really wanted to go and. Uh, and and be abroad and be that expat and it was the realization of of the of the dream that I'd had. I mean, I went abroad. Let's say, see, two thousand four, when I got sent over there, I it was, it hadn't been the constant effort, you know, but it had been certainly the general goal of the past of the previous ten years to go through law school, get a job at an international something, and get back over to Europe with a grown up job. So I did. So I got there and, and had all the enthusiasm for it. And so I made some, some buddies when I was there. I, uh, <laughs> I didn't have a natural social scene because I wasn't a bartender. I wasn't a student. Things that, you know, really put you in a, a community sort of naturally, quickly. And, and Brussels particularly made it a little harder. I didn't, I didn't have any friends there like I would in maybe London. Um, and it doesn't have <laughs> sort of natural romantic character of Paris it's a bit like being you know if you were in Europe and you got sent abroad and you you came to like Newark Delaware or something you know and you're like oh hey I'm I'm in America and oh god wow okay Delaware huh seemed like this cool thing to be the guy who went and lived abroad and that kind of wanderlust character I'm sure you know lots of people who say oh to travel is to live and all this and it and it is the experience is is uh invaluable um but <laughs> the gritty everyday reality of it is that you're going to experience a different kind of loneliness that there is much less, I won't say no, but much less risk of in a place with which you're familiar. The girlfriend with whom uh, I moved over there, she worked as an au pair for the summer. She looked at different grad schools. She went to LSE in London. Um, we, we did an episode of House Hunters International. I don't know if I sent you that. But you should see it; it's pretty funny. Europhile Reed has accepted a job transfer to Brussels, Belgium. My love affair with Europe is uh, pretty long-standing, but my love affair with Amy is fairly recent.
0: As long as the insides are a bit updated, <laughs> uh, we
1: are so we, we had we were kind of having fun at that point, and, and then so then a series of circumstances, she's back in the states, and, and I and she and I had split. Um, so, so yeah. So then, you, you know, the loneliness that you are is kind of an <laughs> undercurrent becomes uh, a, a roar, uh, and you really realize what the lack of community means.
0: It's been about three years since Reed made his big move to Brussels. Why does he stay there if it's so trying? I mailed him a tape recorder and asked him to reflect on that, making a lonely hour diary of sorts. He was game and I thank him. It's not an easy endeavor talking about yourself on tape. When you're sitting in a room with the equipment, you're talking to no one, there's no feedback, but you're aware that you're ultimately talking to everybody because your recordings are intended to go public. Um, I'm doing it right now, actually in the bathtub of my Atlanta apartment. Anyway, what follows are some musings from our lonely, lovely lawyer.
1: Brussels is a very transient town and the people that I have met uh, have since moved back to their home countries. A lot of people come here for the diplomatic jobs that, that have certain term posts. A lot of people are here for lobbying jobs. A lot of people are here for two, three years and then they move on. And so it's hard to keep and maintain a group of friends in a new town without the sort of cultural connections that you're used to. certainly doesn't mean I, I lack for friends, but I, I lack for close friends. If you don't have the kind of close friends that just swing by your place, then you're forcing yourself to be to, to be out. And, and so this evening, uh, I'm forcing myself to be out. And here I am in what is a beautifully twilight cobblestone plaza surrounded by shops and bars with uh, every square inch <laughs> of the terrace covered by little tape, cafe tables and people having drinks. Um, part of being overseas is, is losing some of that feeling of being at home with your home group of friends. And until you manage to reconnect that, to rebuild that squad, um, you have to either make a, a, an actual affirmative effort to go out and be with people, uh, or you have to stay in. And when you, when you live by yourself, That is a a lonely prospect. I come out and I sit down and watch watch the sun get a little lower and and still touching the last bit of that that steeple on the the church. And I sit there with people all around me chattering and I'm checking social media to see what folks back home are doing, uh, snapping a picture of how lovely it is. Sending that around to people who are probably going, Oh man, that looks really cool. Look what Reed's doing. And they're doing that from pretty far away. So uh, I'm sure there's more where that came from, but it was the first time I felt comfortable talking on this thing. So I guess I'll push stop here pretty soon. Uh, I still have my tie and a light linen jacket on from work. I look like I am doing something important because that helps the, the air, helps me have the sense that I am doing something important uh, and staves off the existential questions of what, what is it you are up to? Because obviously if I'm wearing a tie, I'm up to something super important, right? There's certainly a strategy that I developed for avoiding the creeping sensation of loneliness, to avoid looking at loneliness. And that is to just pack my day with things that I feel obligated to do. Not not even necessarily things that I have to do, but just a schedule of constantly having an activity so that I am doing something. The problem that I find with unstructured time is that it then allows for unstructured reflection, and that reflection tends to wander towards the dark end of the loneliness. All right, uh, good morning. This is Reed Witten. Um, this is the first time I'm recording one of these in the morning. So this is the time when I sit on, on my roof and, and have a cup of coffee and, and enjoy being by myself, which I guess illustrates a distinction between being lonely and being alone. There are times when I enjoy being alone. The morning time is definitely one of those times. It is It is a time where you you don't want to share it with someone else and you want to be able to reflect to drink some strong dark coffee to, to think about what your your day will be like or what your day was like yesterday and, and kind of take in the moment the purpose I think of this radio diary is for me to reflect on the times when I'm lonely but I, I, I like this time of day uh, because it is time that I'm alone but, but not quite lonely Okay, so I'm going to have to speak pretty directly into the microphone this time, because today, uh, I am on an airplane. One of the aspects of expat life is that you tend to spend quite a bit of time in in airports and on airplanes, um, because the adventure of travel is such a temptation. But particularly when you do that travel by yourself, there is uh, a an extreme loneliness that sets in. The the joke among my friends when we're traveling is always, dinner for one at the bar, please, Um, because that's what you tend to do. So I've just been at a, a vineyard where two of my friends got married. I was the minister for the wedding. It's really nice to be part of the ceremony without, you know, being in the wedding party. But during the wedding, I was reflecting on now how, in your say mid 30s, the weddings are a lot less about, a lot less like the ones in your early 20s, where everyone is uh, there to meet someone they might eventually marry and gets a little wild. Everybody uh, is is a bit more of a couple and uh, a bit more together which is wonderful they're talking about you know their kids and all the things that they're doing and their lives but when you're the bachelor there it made me reflect a bit I was standing there under the big shady elm tree um where the ceremony had been and was was thinking about what what I just said to the couple which was that it was very exciting for them that they are now going to be building their story together that they're going to be um Beginning this kind of different adventure where I, I know, sort of objectively, is going to have boring parts and hard parts and sad parts and frustrating parts and shitty parts. Um, but it is something to think about quite a bit. I had a, a real poignant opportunity to reflect on it after marrying two people together to, to say, you know, at the end of at the, a long time from now, you know, in the in the late years of your. Of your life, you'll get to look back and, and say, you know we, we did that together and we saw these things and, um, and that, that shared experience is something that I, I think is quite enviable. In, in the a- aftermath of a great couple of nights uh, when when everyone's going and leaving the event with their person, with whom they'll go back over and discuss it, um, and you're <laughs> driving to town by yourself. Uh, it certainly gives you some cause to to think about how it might be nice to have one person, even if you're looking at that person going, rolling your eyes, and be like, ah, man, they always make me drive, or they never get up on time, or whatever the hell it is that's wrong with it. Um, it, it is, it is, I, I think, still enviable to have that. So oh, that's my thought. Thought I'd give it a recording now since I have a little time. All right, <laughs> over. <laughs> Okay, so ha- have a listen to that. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't hear anything. That's the uh, that's the background sound to most of most of my day. I have a phenomenal office. You know, I'm a, a lawyer in a big law firm, and the offices we have are on the twentieth floor of one of the tallest buildings in Brussels. But there's something to having people around. So then what do you do? And one of the things is, uh, is that you go to social media as a proxy for contact with other humans, but that can be a real vicious cycle because what you see is evidences of all your friends and acquaintances at their most fun times while you're looking for some solace for you being in a place where you're just pushing papers around a desk. And obviously no one posts photos of themselves pushing papers around a desk. Well, maybe they do, but I I haven't seen much evidence of it. Um, So you go on to, let's say, Facebook and you look at other people's vacation pictures while you're not on vacation. Um, And the effect is is somewhat depressing. It, It makes you long to be with those people. It makes you long to have the fun that they're having. Uh, it reminds me, it reminds you that you're isolated and alone in an office, but none of it, at least for me, makes me feel less isolated. Um, so uh, I suppose now I should go back to the grind of uh, intellectually engaging work and see if it doesn't hold my attention and uh, distract me from feeling as, as lonely and isolated as I have been. I wonder... Hmm. Okay, just going back over that last part, I realized just how self-pitying that sounded. That's ridiculous. (laughs) This... This job that I have is fantastic and I think that I, I often find myself moping and 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 waxing maudlin on how I feel um it's the point of view you take on it that that matters because I think come on man you know what would you, what would your mom say about that she'd say chin up chest out back straight and just keep walking and and she <laughs> and she'd be right because what are you whinging about um you know one foot in front of the other and just go and you, you you don't leave your worries behind but you just suck them up and you you make things happen okay so this is the tricky part this is the part where the uh <laughs> this is the part that sort of generates uh, all of what what I thought to discuss with the podcast. Um, this is the time. This is the evening time. This is, it's Monday evening. And on a Monday, very few people are going to be inspired to go out. So I'm not going to meet up with friends. I could go out and sit in a cafe and do, (laughs) do nothing but be among the madding crowd. I do that often enough. Um, but I probably won't this evening. I'll probably stay in, which means that I'm here in my apartment by myself. When you live with or among a community with a bunch of people, it's nice to get away for your time of solitude to, to enjoy being away from a group. It's less enjoyable when it's the default that you're away alone and isolated you don't savor it, you begin to fear it. And while that fear is not, for me, excruciating, I can see how it wears on me a bit. It it it, it chips away, and I like it less and less. Um, and that's the difference from the evening feeling and the morning feeling, is that in the evening feeling, you feel that you are not abandoned, but but isolated, marooned maybe in your own uh, little island. But maybe this is the a good exercise. Maybe this is the thing that I need to do to allow myself to to look at this and say, hey, what is it that bothers you about this? Why why don't you just appreciate it? I'm sure there are many people who would love to have a quiet moment alone. Um, I suppose that's a, a grass is always greener. So. Uh, w- when here alone, I think, oh, man, I would prefer not to be.
0: Throughout this process, I sent a few emails to Reed apologizing. Apologizing <laughs> for putting him through all this. I mean, I was so happy he was willing to record diary entries for the show, but I also felt guilty that I might have made him sadder than he was when he reached out to me with the story in the first place. Did he learn something from facing this loneliness?
1: I came to Brussels not expecting to be lonely, expecting to meet a new and awesome group of people. And, and I did. And then those people went away. <laughs> and, uh, and I suppose I could do it again. Um, but uh, it takes a bit of energy, takes a bit of time. Um, makes you not want to retreat from it entirely, but uh, makes you consider what value there is when I was younger, when I was still forming my sense of what you know, friends are and, and what community means, to now when I'm a little older and my sense of what I want to have around me has changed, um, so it's taught me that um, that I would that I love living in a foreign place. I love the adventure of it, um, but that that I need something uh, a little bit more than just the novelty. That that I need to find something in that foreign place or bring something with me. Uh, that in this case I did not. There's actually a good chance that I, uh, I might come back to to the U.S. in the spring. It's something I think I need. I, I think that's what really I learned from this is that I'm in a, in a I'm in a place where I'm not happy. I think the loneliness has said, "Hey, you know, you did a good job here, and now it's time to go elsewhere." I think now I can focus on on. Things like surrounding myself with the people that I love and figuring out what's, um, what, what is the most gratifying uh, way I might spend my time. I want to I try foreign places. I still love it. Um, but that if after three years you feel lonely, well, maybe, maybe that's not the place to be.
0: <laughs> Reed and I plan to have a coffee when he's back in the States. Where that will take place, I don't know. Will I still be in Atlanta? Will I return to New York? Um, I don't know. There are cool people here in Georgia, no doubt, but they're not my people, not yet anyway. So was it dumb to move somewhere new where I hardly know anyone at the age of 33 when I had spent a decade building a super strong network from which, in retrospect, I think I derive a lot of my own self-worth. It's only been a month. Maybe the conflict will settle enough for me to make something out of this adventure, as I once called it, and as I think it should be called. Maybe I'll be able to tell Reed all about it. The next time you hear from me, I will be one year older. The lonely hour is taking a little break so I can get my bearings here in Atlanta and we can all enjoy the holidays. We'll be back in late January after my birthday. One more thing before we go, and I'm kind of ashamed I didn't point this out until episode four, but that intro music, do you like it? My producer, Chris McLeod, who works on all of the listening booth shows, The Lonely Hour, What's Happening Here, and Memory Motel, composed our season two theme song. He's into synthesizers, clearly. (laughs) So am I. Are you? Tell me what you think. Um, Email me at lonelyhourpodcast at gmail.com. And tell me what you think about anything, really. Have you struggled with a move? Tell me about that. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lonely Podcast or on the Lonely Hour's Facebook page. And sign up for our newsletter at thelonelyhour.com and you'll be the first to know when the next episode drops. Until then, enjoy yourself.